yum nub. Each out the yum nub. Welcome to Yubcast, your Star Wars cartoon podcast, and my name is Jamie, and you, like your father, are now mine. And I'm Matt, and your focus determines your reality. And that's directed at you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Last minute, I'm just like turning off at my feet. <laughs> oh, sorry, I'm a little, I'm a little drunk. I'm a lot drunk. Um, and plus, we, I just made a bunch of pot stickers, so that's going to suck all the water out of my body and make me even drunker. So, so welcome uh, to uh, Yubcast. We're going to be talking about uh, Episode 8, Rising Malevolence, which is uh, actually uh, came out uh, Season 1, Episode 2. But uh, before, we usually chat about uh our star wars lives so matt what did you do star wars related since last we spoke um i've been i put some of this on twitter on our twitter feed at yubcast but i've been printing 3d printing my java um, playset sort of a three and three quarter inch java palace replica or playset i guess it's a, a huge huge project but i finally started it this week and we printed a bunch of pieces, the kids and I, and uh, we're going to start assembling it. But I, I've also been, one, I watched a ton of Clone Wars in the past week because I've gotten really into it again um, and can't stop at the one episode. But I've also been getting through um, or going through the new Padme book about two-thirds of the way through. It's pretty good. It's getting, it's getting there. Um, it's a it's a very progressive book. It's probably the most progressive book so far, and it's pretty interesting. So it has um, uh, critical race theory in it. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, there's critical race theory in it. No, um, there's a there's a transgender clone. Um, and it and she goes by sister um, instead of brother. And that, that's interesting. It talks a little bit about clone, like heterogeneity of the clones and and stuff like that and how she was originally worried about what they would do with the defective clone, but she mentions that there's there's other clones that don't conform to sort of the pattern. It's an interesting take on it. They didn't, they didn't call the character trans, but... She, she's talking with Anakin, and Anakin said something to the effect of, the Jedi have transcended a lot, and you've transcended gender. And it's obviously supposed to be transgender, right? Um, but it's, clever. overall, it's, a, it's an interesting book. It's about sort of a mission that Padme, and, and it's, it's sort of like a parallel story. I assume they're going to link back up at some point where Anakin has to go on this mission and Padme has to go on a mission. Um, and they're post-married, and they're both keeping each other in the dark about it because it's military stuff and need to know, and I assume that they're going to intersect with each other because a lot of the plot, or not plot, but like the mood of the story is sort of them figuring out how they're going to keep their relationship a secret but not keep secrets from each other. Yeah, this Anakin spends a lot of his time trying to get his uh, clone troopers not to uh, marry strippers and uh, 
take out uh, loans for a uh, speeder at like a 50% interest rate. <laughs> yeah, but it's a really nice speeder, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. If they live on base, <laughs> it's it's fine because because a lot of their board is taken care of. Um, yes, yeah, so that is that is roughly the plot. It's a fun book though. Yeah, um, I, you, I'm still I'm go ahead. And so you've you've intrigued me because I was pretty much writing off that series because of the I, I was kind of like in, the the first book was kind of like. Oh boy, but I got to do this because I'm I'm a weird Star Wars freak, and and then it wasn't until like the epilogue that I was just like, wow, this is really great, and then it ended, and then then the stuff that came out with the other the the second book, and was like, oof, I don't know, um, but now I was like, hmm, I might be back in. I would. So the epilogue of the first book, that's the. The Sabe stuff, right? Mm-hmm. The post post Padme's death Sabe stuff. Um, that stuff is great. The thing that gets me about these books is I have a very hard time keeping the characters straight because they're all like. I made the joke last recording that I was going to read you a list of names of handmaidens and have you pick out the fake ones, but they're all like Rabe and Dorme and. Sashe and Sabe and and it, they all get mixed up in my mind. I, I'm getting I'm getting better at it, but like like Rabe and Dorme got married at some point, and I'm like and I'm having a really hard time keeping them straight now because they're really interchangeable. Like the problem is the characters were built to be interchangeable, and then these books were like no no they're individuals, and they gave them all these features and then they make them sub for each other all the time <laughs> it's like well you, like you, you you sort of solved the problem and then you made it worse <laughs> but it's still it's still interesting enough to do it's like the book's like seven hours you know and i've been i've been going for my five trying to go for my 5ks and things and i've been having a little bit of out, outdoor time it's a good time to just like zone out and listen to the book mm-hmm. going for a walk in the woods walk run in the woods so i've been doing that and i've also gone back and i'm doing i told you i got all those high republic short stories and i've finished them at this point i think i have all of them um have you done anything star wars i think you have right yeah i want to hear about your t-shirt today oh yeah sorry i stopped sending you pictures um so i'm wearing my uh my grogu i'm all ears uh t-shirt but yesterday it was um (laughs) My sugar skull, uh, sugar skull, sugar skull stormtrooper um, T-shirt uh, for Cinco de Mayo. Before that, it was my um, Donald Glover Lando shirt, and then before that, it was just some Star Wars shirt I got at a Kroger's. And then, then the other one was I, the, the the tar, Tie Fighter with the rainbow coming out of it. And as my wife says, Star Wars. Um, that it's it's cool. I like it because they're it's like most of these shirts because they're like the tri blend. They're just very super comfy. And it's it's hot where I live, so yeah. So so during this recording, it's early May. This will probably be up in late May, and so you're you're gonna wear a Star Wars shirt every day until Kenobi, or every day in May. 
every day in May, which will be interesting because I have to go camping uh, with the Boy Scouts in a couple weeks. So um, I will f maybe just wear a Star Wars hat or Star Wars underwear or something. I don't know. Um, but I will find something. There was actually a, a Cub Scout pack that was the uh, like pack 501, and they had a Scout Trooper um, like on their uh, their T-shirts. So maybe I can find something Star Wars Boy Scout crossover. And I, I can't wait to like to wear my uh, Chewbacca shirt because people will will, will <laughs> love that. <laughs> I was just googling uh, Star Wars underoos for you. No. Oh. <laughs> do they do they do they have men's sizes? I mean, I'm well, I'm I'm yes, Star Wars underoos for adults. <laughs> Don't judge them by their size. <laughs> They're the underwear that's fun to wear. <laughs> yeah, there's a picture of me uh, a family friend posted uh, a couple years ago of me as a little kid, and I and also I saw all I saw was like, oh my god, my Luke Skywalker un underwear underoos shirt. That's so awesome because it was the it was the um, orange shirt with the um, with like from the flight suit with the, like the panel and everything on it. Yeah, I just I just sent it to you. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I work with a bunch of weirdos. So that's exactly it. <laughs> Except I'm not wearing whitey t or orangey tidy. And I have the Boba Fett one too. And I don't look as good as those male models. <laughs> Few do. Come on, judge them by their size. That's that sounds like a uh, penis joke. But. Um, Anyways, getting back to which uh, said like other than like the wearing the Star Wars shirt every day, um, as opposed to every other month, um, you sent me that book, the um, the Clone Wars book, that uh, the um, that just kind of like goes over like every episode, just kind of just, like briefly, and then it has interviews with um, with the production, um, the the main production um, crew. It's, it's an awesome book, and my son was snagging it and taking it out to the uh, the living room. I was like, "You don't take that to your room. That's mine." Um, so I really enjoyed that book. And then the Kenobi trailer, the full Kenobi trailer came out, um, and holy cow, it is everything that I wanted it to be. Owen Lars dunking on Obi Wan. Um, just the the I guess her name is Reva or the third sister. She's just they're they're pretty much like setting it up as like you can't escape him. It's like just saying like Vader is coming, making it sound like Vader is like this inevitable force that's gonna fuck you up, so you can't escape him. That that that's really cool. Kind of gives me like the Terminator vibes where like Kyle Reese is just like you, where he tells the cops is like you can't you can't reason with it, you can't bargain with it. It won't. Doesn't feel pity or remorse. It's just that kind of thing that just kind of gives me the, the chills. Oh my God! He is like some sort of non-giving-up school guy. Yeah, the 
the trailer. Once again, this is going to come out way after the trailer has aired because it just aired a couple days ago. But I've, I'm looking forward to Kenobi. And you're going to be in the fucking woods. You're going to be in some goddamn desert when this comes out, aren't you? Um, well, for like the third episode, it will be. But apparently they get good okay. reception for my cell phone carrier. So we'll see. All right. Save your data then. Yeah. Um, the, yeah, the trailer got me super, even more excited for it. Um, I think the Grand Inquisitor looks fine. Uh, and I just want to know the plot. And they they included that line, Vowen dunking on Obi-Wan, and Obi-Wan just looking like a little defeated and crushed mm-hmm. by it. It's like one of those moments where you're having an argument with someone and they like pull out that trump card on you. Yeah, and you're and you're just kind of like, oh yeah, I, I yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it's like it's like, oh, that's right. Um, I brought a knife to a gunfight. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I'm super excited. Yeah, I, can't I mean, there's, I mean, there's like uh, four Lom I saw in the trailer. Um, there's a, there's at least three Inquisitors, including the Grand Inquisitor. No, wait. Grand Inquisitor, fifth brother, third sister, and then there's an unknown one whose face yeah. is colored a lot like Barriss's. Yeah, it could be. That would be amazing. A, a good Clone Wars tie-in would be incredible, obviously. I have. We've talked a lot about what happened to Barriss. I mean, not what happened, that we want to know what happened. And we keep, I keep thinking she's going to show up as an Inquisitor, but who knows? Mm-hmm. She's she's definitely missing, missing in like the canon at least. Um, we know we know her sort of Ventress arc, where she poses as Ventress and and frames Ahsoka and everything, and and that's pretty much the last we see of her in canon. And so I really want to know what happens to her. And I think there's, isn't there? A, an inquisitor that has like a half robotic head too in in the teaser. I don't know. There's a lot of inquisitors. That's in that's that the one that like she's like you only see her face and the rest of it is all like covered in like some sort of hood whether it's like robotic or just um some sort of like wetsuit looking thing. I I don't know. But um I'm I'm super stoked. And then seeing like like is Kamal Nanchioni, is he Kitster? These are the questions inquiring minds want to know. I hadn't even thought of that. Jesus, give Kitster an arc. Wow. Um, that's a really interesting idea. Camille Nanchioni tweeted the other day after the after the trailer came out. He said, uh, I am now officially in Star Wars. This is surreal. Yeah. How fucking amazing. I love it. I love it when these fans, like people who grew up with Star Wars, are getting into Star Wars. And like it's there's nothing more perfect to me. It's like that uh Fiddler on the Roof song, like when good fortune caters to such men, it stands to reason we deserve it too. Mm-hmm. It's it's like one of those like like their victory, like I see myself like in their excitement. Um not that I think I'm gonna ever be in Star Wars, but I I know what they're feeling. Yeah, like when Danny Trejo, who once again on May the fourth this year, um, tweeted a photo of him on the Rancor flatbed, and he said, "Happy Star Wars Day, everybody!" Like that guy is a legitimate, huge, huge Star Wars fan, and 
was so happy to see him and Book of Boba Fett. So happy to see once again another Star Wars fan getting to be in Star Wars. So. Yeah, not just like stunt casting, like like uh, Prince Harry and Prince William, or just like as much as I like the I like the fact that like um, Daniel Craig was just like got uh, cast as the uh, the stormtrooper Ray kind of mind tricks to letting her go. Just just knowing that like super fans are getting it like granted Kamau Juni is he's a celebrity, so is Danny Trejo. They're not just asking random Star Wars weirdos like us, but they're just happen to be random Star Wars weirdos like us who are also famous. So, like right. you said, it's we like can. Pat, it's like Patton Oswalt getting to be in Marvel now, right? Yeah. As, like, this is, like, yes, they're famous people, and yes, they've done great comedic works already, or great action, in the case of Danny. Um, but it's it's really, like, how they, how they feel about Star Wars is what I identify with, rather than, like, their career arc. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, maybe Prince Harry really is a big Star Wars fan. I just think he's a piece of shit. So. Yeah, yeah, in between wearing uh, SS uniforms uh, <laughs> to parties. Um, and being a member of a royal family. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, the fact is that, like, for a lot of people, like like us, the whole reason we do this is just because, like, it, it means something to us. Like, we were – there's, like, a whole generation of people, in even another generation – and there probably will always be a generation of kids who are raised by Star Wars and sci-fi because their parents had to work the night shift or they they lived with a single parent. So, like, well, what kept them busy? They watched Star Wars. That was, that was how I spent my free time because my mom worked third shift. I watched yeah. Star Wars. Like any other kind of, like, sci-fi, I could just chew through. Uh, that yeah, I could absolutely. That I could understand when I was younger, and so like, yeah, it, was a, it means it means the world to me. And just knowing that like somebody like me can can get that chance, even if it's just a small role, that is just whew, that's just great. And that that's our hope. That's the end goal of Yubcast is that we will be cast as random person like uh, Guillermo from the Jimmy Kimmel show, where he's like like if you zoom in. To the Guardians of the Galaxy 2, you can just see a speck. That's him. If I could be that speck in a Star Wars movie, I could die a happy man. I would dig a likeness in a comic. <laughs> like, all right, we've been rambling on a little bit. Do you want to move on to the show? All right. I, if we must, we must. So, we, And we must. As Jamie said earlier, today we're, we're, we are going to review um, Season 1, Episode 2. Rising Malevolence, which is the next episode in the Incanon Order. Originally aired on October 3rd, 2008. Jamie's going to do the plot summary this week as it is his turn, but I thought beforehand, because this is a Plo Koon heavy episode, it would be fun to go through some Plo Koon facts at the top. And these are facts about the character development and facts about the character in both Canon and Legends materials um you ready go for it all right so i just have a list of facts you you have not read these yet right correct all right so in legends these are things that i found interesting about plocum when i was reading sort of wikipedia and things so um in legends plocum's master 
was named Master Tyvoka, and she is a female Wookiee. I cool. really, really like Wookiee Jedis. There has to be a lot of singed fur. You'd think so. Um, but I like Buryaga in the High in the High Republic um, stuff, and then I like the uh, the kid Padawan. Um, what's his name? I'm just looking at. Him. I forgot. Yeah, I forgot it too. Oh well. Um, so Plo Koon, moving on. Plo Koon, um, the name came from a nickname of an FX supervisor. Um, he brought his baby to the set once, I think, on Phantom Menace, and his name was Nick Dudman. And he introduced the baby to George Lucas as Plon Koon, which was a nickname his family had given the baby for some reason. And George Lucas loved that that nickname and changed Plon Koon to Plo Koon for the Jedi. That's cool. Uh, yeah, so good job, Nick. Um, in Legends, again, there aren't a lot of Keldor in in Star Wars, and Keldor is the name of his species. Um, but in Legends, in a comic book, Plo Koon's niece um, became a Jedi as well, and she tried to turn to the dark side ahead of Anakin. Um, that's a pretty oh, cool yeah. arc. Yeah, so there's a couple couple of production things about Plo Koon. Um, the original concept of Plo Koon, um, the character had a Japanese accent because he was partially based on Toshiro Mifun's character in The Seventh Samurai. In the Seventh Samurai. Um, but Dave Filoni didn't like that, neither did George Lucas. He thought it was too disrespectful to Kurosawa to have such an obvious ripoff. <laughs> and so they changed it. Yeah. Oh, he's, it's the ripoff, not the racist caricature. Well, I think it probably was a little bit of column A, a little from column B. So Dave Filoni re- reworked Plo Koon to be more like Gandalf the White, this wise, calm, powerful character. Um, so we see, we're going to talk about this a little bit in the show, but we see that Wolf, Commander Wolf, is one of Plo Koon's men. Um, and he's the leader of the 104th Battalion. They call themselves the Wolf Pack. But in many materials, they're called Plo's Bros. <laughs> I've got a couple, a couple of more um, things here, if, if we can keep going. Okay. Um, two cool things about Plo Koon. Plo Koon wears a mask. Um, all Keldor do. And there's a, there's another Keldor in Resistance. He's one of the racers, and he also wears this, a similar mask. Um, but did you ever look up what the mask does? I. I thought i would have guessed that it filters the air so kel so keldors are from a planet with low oxygen and so their biology has adapted to low oxygen and the masks actually reduce the amount of air they can breathe so they don't die of oxygen toxicity that actually explains something yep (laughs) yeah it's pretty cool um, and then, and then the last little. Do you want to say something? Yeah, but like, because because it seems like, do they, their their nose is like, the because the whole mask like covers their face, and then like they've got like these little tendril things coming out of their, what look like ears, like that go into the mask. Because so, so it was like, is that their, is that essentially their nose as they breathe through these little, these little um 
tendril things coming out of their head? That's a good question. That's possible. That wouldn't be that wouldn't be too far fetched, right? Yeah. And why the mask? Straws. Yeah. Does it? And what about the uh, the mask over the eyes? Yeah, I thought about that after I found this out, and I didn't. I wasn't able to find a good explanation, but I assume it's like sunglasses. <laughs> maybe they maybe they're they're really sensitive to light or something. Yeah, it's like the um, those sunglasses that are just like they're 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 not a lens. They're just like they, they look like um, blinds. That, right. Uh, <laughs> except these ones are like dots. Yeah, or like um, um, Big Trouble in Little China. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, last little fact about Plo Koon, um, or background on Plo Koon. Plo Koon belonged to a Force-sensitive religion on his home planet called the Baron Du, um, because the Keldor are apparently a very Force-sensitive race, and they would use this to sort of predict natural disasters and things. Um, but there was a sect within the Baron Du that was a cult that worshipped the dead Sith Lord Darth Sion. Hmm. Um, I thought you would like that fact, so I threw it in there. That's cool, Darth Sion from uh, uh, KOTOR 2. They, yeah, I love that character. He holds himself together just by pure will. Yep, so that was my... Those are sort of my Plo Koon facts for the day. Um, and if, uh, if we have time in a future episode, I'll pick another character and do the same deep dive on them. Right on. Okay. So I want to move on. I could talk Star Wars all day. Okay. So the, um, the beginning, there's the, the tagline moral belief is not a matter of choice, but of conviction. So the uh, episode opens up with the Republic feet being attacked by a secret weapon. Many ships are missing, and the Jedi Council send Plo Koon to find the enemy weapon. So the show opens up, Plo Koon's on the cruiser, uh, getting a report that the enemy ship has slowed. Plo Koon says they must have spotted them. On the enemy ship, Grievous is informed that three cruisers have entered the system. Dooku says to jam their transmissions. Uh, Plo Koon tries to report his position. They contact Anakin and Ahsoka in the Bith system to tell them that they're in the Abrogado system, which I'm going to, every time they said it, I, I thought they were saying Avocado system. So I may say Avocado, just be forewarned. I, I thought they were saying like like the Spanish word for lawyer, Avocado. <laughs> <laughs> I see. But uh, yeah, uh, Avocado system is fine. Yeah. The transmission is cut off right after Anakin tells him that they probably can't reinforcement. He's been ordered to protect his current location, which in a, which is a kind of like out of character thing for Anakin to kind of like do what he's actually do, actually do what he's told. Ahsoka asks Anakin if they can help Master Plo. Anakin contacts the Council and tells Ahsoka to listen and not to talk to the meeting. Anakin reports where Plo Koon is when they lost contact. Now back again. There's something. Sorry. Okay. Sorry. Something about like Anakin's reporting in this episode, where he's uncharacteristically pessimistic about what's happened to Master Plo. Where he's like, he's like, we lost contact with him, so I guess that means he's dead. That happens a couple times in this episode, and it's really frustrating because it's you're right, it's out of character for him to be this pessimistic. But he's also, I don't know, I don't know what they're doing here, but it's like, it's I found it frustrating when. 
when it's like a communication disruption can mean only one thing. Master Plokun is dead. <laughs> yeah. A communications disruption can mean only one thing. Invasion. Back, okay, back with uh, Plokun. Separatist ships move on the Republic fleet. They are charging a weapon of some kind. Plokun orders the clones to fire, but they're out of range. <clears throat> Excuse me. A huge energy wave blasts from Grievous' ship. Now, this is kind of interesting because the ship um, is a, like it's a humongous ship, and the cannon is actually pointed to the side i don't yeah. know ship directions um it's like it's like a port port oh, well, <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll go with that anybody who is in the navy can change can uh, chastise us on twitter um so it's like it's just it's just like this big stationary gun uh pointed at the port of the ship so it's kind of it's kind of weird it's like a it's like a tank but the tank can only point its main weapon points to the side. There are plenty of there are plenty of examples in human history, though, for broadside cannons on ships. Right, so it's like a frigate would have the cannons all lined up on the port and starboard sides, and they would push them out and fire um, as they pass by another ship. Oh, right? that's that's sort of the configuration. Yeah, yeah, no, and I agree. And there's a, there's a lot of like. There's a lot of that in like um, the ships that you see in Star Wars, like the like the like the large the larger warships, the Star Destroyers and whatnot, that they have like these gun batteries that can that are on the sides. But it's weird that like the the ship is basically just a transport for this huge gun. So it's kind of weird. Like the propulsion system is pointed one way, but the gun is pointed another way. We see the gunfire a couple times, and I can't remember if it's the first time we see it or the second time. But did you notice anything about the interior shot of the gun charging? Yeah, it's just like the Death Star. Yeah, it was a shot for shot um, quoting of the Death Star, except instead of those two guys in the weird helmets, it's a couple B1s in the tunnel. Mm -hmm. This episode has a bunch of quotes in it, so I'm going to point them out as we get there. Yeah, yeah, that's what that's what I love about Clone Wars. Is that they will like rehash like sayings from the original trilogy, but just change it slightly, so it makes it seem like like oh that's just kind of just how people talk. Right. A huge energy wave blast from Grievous's ship. The cruiser is disabled. And they've lost all power to the shields. The lasers from uh, Grievous's fleet destroy the uh, cruisers while Plo Koon and the clones escape in life pods. Now these life pods. You want to talk a second about what these life pod looks like? Yeah. Is they are they look like um, okay, like what you would think a life pod looks like because in Star Wars we have a ton of life pods, but this is kind of them like molding the original or not molding, but kind of like merging the original trilogy into uh, the prequels and, and into Clone Wars. They the can there's like a canopy. That makes it look exactly like a TIE fighter. Just like how the Jedi Starfighters have like that kind of look. Yeah, I love I love the detail that the portal window has like the, the framing structure of the TIE Fighter eye. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really it's really cool. And it, it looks otherwise it looks a lot like an escape pod from like the Tantive. Right. Yeah, it's 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 a very like a signature thing from like whatever that manufacturer uh, who makes the the Tie Fighters? And like that that is, I mean, maybe it's just a design for that company. Maybe it's just, that's just kind of a popular aesthetic. 
because like even like on the Death Star in Return of the Jedi, that the window the behind the Emperor was it's not the same, but very similar. With like like right. sectioned off, but it wasn't as um, symmetrical. Anyways, uh, back to the show. So Dooku orders hunters deployed to destroy the life pods. He does not want any survivors who witness the weapon. Basically, so nobody nobody can know like what really is going on. Oper- operational security. Nobody can nobody can uh, know about this weapon, what it does. So back with Anakin, Anakin is reporting to the Jedi Council and Palpatine. He says that they lost contact with Plo Koon and his fleet, which probably means that they're destroyed like the others. He asks for permission to mount a rescue mission. Palpatine asks if there are any survivors. Obi-Wan confirms that there have been none. No. So back to uh, back to the battle. Like On a life pod, Plo Koon is with three clones, Sinker, Boost, and Commander Wolf. The life pod has no power, but for the time being, they are fine. Plo Koon instructs the clones to re- restore the power, so if someone comes looking, they will be found. Now, Wolf doesn't remember, does he? He's Isn't he just in, like, a uniform? Like, a dress uniform? Um, he's listed as Commander Wolf in, like, all of the materials, but I don't I don't know what his uniform is. Because his uniform is... Because it's two clones in armor, and then one who's in kind of, like, a dress uniform. That's Wolf. But like his clone armor has like that wolf painted on the on the helmet, but like the shirt that Dave Filoni wears. Right, and in this episode, the two clones who are armored, um, whatever their names are, Sinker and Boost, their helmets have smaller wolves on them. Right. So for whatever reason, he's not he's not in his armor. He's in his dress uniform, filling out paperwork or something. Yeah, it was payday, and he had to he had to approve everyone's time cards. <laughs> Um, so back with Anakin's fleet, Windu tells them that they cannot rescue him, that they're already spread thin. Ahsoka speaks up, and Anakin is visibly embarrassed. They sign off, and Anakin and Ahsoka argue. Ilarin comes in, and Anakin tells him to redeploy uh, per the orders of the council. Anakin and Ahsoka are going to take a ship and scout the, out the path. Now, back at the pod, the clone, why anyone would come rescue them. Plo Koon says that he values their lives and rescue will come. Through the viewport, they see another life pod. Master Plo uses the force to spin the pod around so they can see the viewport, but see that it is smashed and, there's, and the uh, clones are dead. There's actually one kind of hanging outside of the viewport. Something has attacked and destroyed the pod. Plo Koon says that they are definitely not alone. This is where, sorry, this is where the, I know that Dooku said, send the hunter out to destroy the pods. We can't have survivors, but this is where the episode starts to get super dark and totally inconsistent to me. There's there's a scene later coming up soon where like a battle droid is humming like a like a almost like a whistle while you work. Um, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves sort of <laughs> shanty while he's butchering droids. Like like I guess love what you do and do what you love. But there's there's some like graphic spacing of droids coming or spacing of clones coming. Mm-hmm. So now uh, a shot to uh, the, the Twilight, which is the ship that Anakin and Ahsoka stole uh, back in the uh, Clone Wars movie. Anakin asks R2 to set the new coordinates. Ahsoka tries to apologize, but Anakin won't let her. Basically, it comes down to 
like Anakin's better at lying or disobeying orders or finding loopholes. And he and he's just annoyed that Ahsoka kind of almost blew it. I guess it's it's like a Ahsoka's an ask for permission sort of person, and Anakin's an ask for forgiveness sort of person. And so she was insisting that they need permission to do this, and Anakin was like, "No, we don't need permission. We're just going to do it." And then we're going to say they didn't give us good enough instructions to not do it, but they're going to be happy that Plo Koon's alive, so they're not going to care what we did. Mm-hmm. That's sort of sort of the dynamic that I that I think they have. So Obi Wan uh, is, is on his cruiser and he, he's checking on Anakin. Yilarn tells him that all is quiet, and Yilarn tells Obi Wan that Anakin is not with them, because originally Yilarn says something that just kind of like really like freaks. Obi-Wan out, and then he's like, oh, no, no, we're still there. He's off scouting something. Typical Anakin, like, uh, what what was the, what was the term in um, episode two? Like, negotiations, like aggressive negotiations. Yeah, aggressive negotiations with a blaster. Yeah. So back at the pod, Sinker and Boost are trying to restore power. After some arguing, they restore the power, and over the radio, they hear another pod reporting that they're under attack. And we see the exterior shot of the droid ship locking onto a pod while some B-1 battle droids move to cut through the pod. Cut through the pod. And the clones are ejected into space. That's kind of brutal. You see this a little bit in the prequels. Like like episode three in the space battle above Coruscant. You'd see like like explosions and you see just clones just get like ejected into space. And you just see their bodies just like just flying out. It's, I mean, it's a good thing that their clones are covered in armor, so you don't, you have to think about, you don't really think about, like, uh, them as human. Did you notice anything about Sinker and Booster arguing in the pod? No. It's the dialogue from Empire Strikes Back where Chewie and Han are trying to fix the Falcon. You're right. You're right. Holy cow, I caught that, but I'm too drunk to have remember that. Um, <laughs> like, no, no, says, this no, one goes... that one, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That one goes here. This one goes there. On the twilight, um, they're scanning the area, but there's just too much debris. Sorry. Ahsoka says that Plo Koon was the Jedi who originally brought her to the Jedi. Just then, Obi-Wan calls him, and Anakin fesses up that they're in the avocado system looking uh, for Plo Koon. Anakin reports they haven't found anything yet, and they will rejoin the fleet. And then eventually, R2 finds a signal on the emergency channel. Now, back on the pod, Wolf sees the droid hunter, and the droids see the pod. The B-1 is singing merrily as they approach the, the pod. Plo Koon says that he will exit the pod and fight the droids. Back to what we were talking about, he can survive in very low oxygen atmosphere, or in this case, no oxygen atmosphere. Yeah, it's a really cool detail that ties into this episode. Yeah. Um, it's also really fun to see him out of the pod. Even the, even the clones are like, what do you mean go outside? Yeah. And the clones put their helmets on. Wolf keeps, keeps the signal transmitting while the rest of the rest fight off the droid ship, which, granted, they didn't show every part, but Wolf doesn't have a helmet. Is there, like, an airlock somewhere? How did they get out? It's a good question. There's You have to sort of play play nice with this part because they actually breach the ship, too. Right, and maybe they don't get to the cabin, but it appears like air is venting into space. Mm-hmm. If that's happening on a ship, you have not much time to live. Right. Well, it's Star Wars. Different physics, different rules. Uh, and if anything, Last Jedi has 
shown us that you can survive briefly uh, in space. The B-1 droids see Plo Koon outside the pod and they fight. Using the force, Plo Koon pushes them away and the clones uh, shoot at the droids. The droid ship starts to crush the pod and then you see air uh, vent from the pod. Just then, Ahsoka comes to run the radio. Plo Koon says to keep the radio alive. Now, the fight outside is going poorly. Plo Koon throws Sinker with the force to the droid ship to flank them. They release the droid ship and destroy the debris field. What they do is like, granted, I, it's probably more just for just to keep the episode going, but it's just like the droid ship that they're using is just basically got like four, it's like four claws, like at the 12 o'clock, 3 o'clock, 6 o'clock, and 9 o'clock. And it just grabs the pods and crushes them. Now, th- uh, eventually, Plo Koon, like, d- cuts all the, I don't know, say, fingers or, or the clamps, and it drifts off. But, like, why didn't he do that at the beginning? Yeah. I give this episode a lot of credit, because I think you could probably have ended the episode here and just implied that they were rescued. But it actually has a lot more plot after this initial threat is removed and doesn't feel tacked on at all. It just feels like a continuation, like a logical continuation of the story. Mm-hmm. So now on the malevolence, a B-1 uh, droid reports that the pot hunter is no longer responding. Maybe some clones are putting up a resistance. Dooku says that they can't allow that. Once again, operational security, nobody can escape. Uh, shoot to uh, Coruscant, and the Jedi report to Palpatine that Anakin is searching the debris for survivors. Yoda says that Ahsoka and Anakin are twice the trouble. Which they are. Palpatine calls Anakin and tells him to abandon the search for Plo Koon. Anakin agrees, and but Ahsoka uses the Force to find Plo Koon in the debris. She takes control and goes into a new direction. Which maybe it's just me having not having seen the show in a while, but remembering part of it's like, why didn't they do this in the beginning? Once again, the Force kind of ends up being—it's just there when it serves the plot. I mean, pretty much. Right, yeah. it's it's forgivable. It it makes it's like another tool. They're scanning for life forms, or not finding any, and last last ditch efforts. Like maybe I can find him in the force. Yep, there he is. Mm-hmm. Which it just seems like you just you could just get there and be like, Plo Koon, where are you? Like I'm over here. Okay, and just go. But the it, the, the force is really only there for for plot purposes. Plo Koon and the clones can. Continue to discuss the disposable nature of the clones when uh, Ahsoka and Anakin shows up. They fire the tow cable and pull the life pod into the bay. Master Plo and the three clones are saved, and uh, a medical um, what's that? What's the name of the, this type of droid? The the medical two one B two one B. You first see it in uh, Empire Strikes Back. The medical droid says that they can be stabilized. Now, Anakin reports to Plo that they are the only survivors. Plo tells Anakin about the Ion Cannon on the Malevolence. The um, the Malevolence is coming. Plo Koon says to shut down all power, and they turn off everything to appear like they're just debris. Now, this is very similar to the one a few episodes back where they're in kind of like the, the Carrion Spike-esque ship, where they're just kind of like... Just kind of like drifting right by, like a humongous battleship. In the in the in the other one, they were cloaked, but in this right. one, they're just like playing dead. And then um, <clears throat> they make sure to turn off all the power 
to make sure um, that they appear that they're just debris. On the malevolence, they're scanning for the pot hunter and can't find it. On the twilight, the clones are with the medical droid. Now, the clones want to see what's happening, but the medical droid say, <clears throat> says that he'll check with the Jedi. Uh, this is weird because they, like, they shut R2 down because they don't want any power. And all I can think of was, like, that stupid droid. That's the stupid medical droid. Like, you're, you you left that one on. Yeah, it's the thing that thing gives them away, right? It's the, uh, you were right about the, the carry-on spike one where they're silent running. This is another silent running moment, and they left the uh, coffee pot on. Yeah. <laughs> so they're all just kind of like being quiet, and and um, the Malevolence detects the droid signal, and they realize that what the issue is, uh, and it's too late, so they make a run for it. Now, the Twilight is running as fast as it can. R2 is turned back on and calculates the jump to hyperspace. Malevolence charges its weapon and discharges it, uh, the shockwave approaches the twilight, but right before impact, they clear to the debris field and jump into hyperspace, avoiding the blast. I thought this was a really cool scene. Where it's like this, it's just like a humongous, um, like kind of like flat field of energy. I guess I don't know what else to describe it. And it's just like coming at them, and they're just and they're just going super fast, and then they just finally escape at the last second because it's just. It's going like just a little bit faster than them, and because they're right at the center, if they are like any higher or any other direction, maybe they could go underneath it. But it's just a very um, like impending doom sort of thing, and they escape at the last second. I really enjoyed this one. Yeah, it reminded me a little bit of the um, sonic shock waves or the seismic shock waves in Attack of the Clones when Obi Wan is running. Mm-hmm. Because he's doing all sorts of crazy maneuvers in the asteroid field and uh, narrowly avoiding the blasts. It was sort of like that because he's they're, they're t- flying the twilight in this debris field and they can't jump to hyperspace until they're out of the debris field. Um, and so the second they get clear, um, they jump, but it, it is a second before they get hit with this shockwave. It's really, really satisfying. Mm-hmm. So Grievous is obviously upset that their sequel will be revealed, and Dooku calls him a failure. Um, He's—I mean, it's not really his fault, but I guess it is because he didn't do everything possible to make sure that nobody escaped. But your boss is right there. Like, I fucked up so many times when my boss is like standing over me. I can't get too upset. So uh, back at the Republic fleet, the clones are thanking Anakin and Ahsoka. Plo Koon and Anakin uh, give the council a report. Uh, Anakin invites Ahsoka to participate. Basically, it's just it comes down to like Anakin doesn't want to get chewed out by himself, so he's like, "You got to come with me and like take the uh, take it on the chin along with me." I've done this with my subordinates on White House calls. <laughs> like, like, oh, you want to go to White House call? Yeah, sure. You can actually take it. <laughs> Get chewed out instead of me. Um, that's the end. Um, so let's get right into it. Did you like it? I did. I like this. I like this episode. I like the whole arc. Yeah. So we didn't we didn't mention that this is a three episode arc, and so there's two more episodes with the uh, the malevolence in it. Um, and we we get to follow up the next couple of weeks on this. Um, but I liked it too. I think it was a really solid arc. I I really like Plo Koon as a character. I think Plo Koon is a phenomenal um, Jedi, and I think this whole sort of stranded and constantly escalating stakes 
works in a way that it oftentimes doesn't work for Star Wars when they keep piling on. It seems very, it seems like a very logical progression yeah. to like have the droids killing everybody and and then they escape that only to find themselves in a worse situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's also it's also built in like the optimism of Plo Koon saying like I don't know if someone's coming to find us, but if they are, we're gonna make it easy for them to find us. As easy as possible, yeah. so keep working. Don't give up. Yeah, it's also very on-brand for Star Wars villains to have uh, a super weapon. Instead of just, like, defeating through sound tactics. Like um, Good call. Like having a, a mega super weapon that's going to just win the whole thing. Before we get into the malevolence, um, which I have a couple things to go over with that, um, I wanted to point out something I forgot to point out in the recap. Um, the pod where the clones get spaced. Did you catch the serial number of the pod? No. It was 1977. So, of course it was. The, de- the debut of... It wasn't 1138, but 1977 is the other number that shows up all the time in Clone Wars, obviously. So it was pod... They're On the radio, they're calling pod 1977. <laughs> Um, so there's that. So the, so malevolence, the, the ship, um, its design was an unused concept design from, um, revenge of the Sith for another, um, separatist battleship. And so I'm really glad that they went back and grabbed it. Cause I really like the, the look of it. It sort of looks like, sort of looks like a separatist ship that like trench had, but it's, um, Got all that cool stuff on the side for the for the broadside ion cannon, mm-hmm. and I like that they I like that they revealed what it was in universe. It's like once they saw it, they're like, oh yeah, that would totally work. Yeah, it's just a big ion cannon. One of the things that I could not like stop thinking about is like, where the hell are they getting all this material? I mean, the galaxy must be huge and there must be planets that are strip mined maybe there's just like asteroid belts where they can just get the supplies that they need um is it catalyst or catalyst i was about ready to start talking about catalyst catalyst and then like the first thrawn book where they like notices that like different dunium yeah there's like weird patterns with all these different materials happening and he pieces it together it's like where is all of this coming from? Just goes to show, like the galaxy must like be immensely large. Yeah, I mean, yeah. which I think... it obviously is, but just like it's just like holy cow! Like how could they? And then how could they get that put together? That's the more impressive things, like the foundries and things. How how do they build the material, right? And, and supply. What are their supply lines like? Yeah. Um, I mean, we had an episode called Supply Lines. We don't know what the supply lines are like. Yeah. But you'd think there's there's millions of people that are just there to support this effort behind the scenes. Yeah. Like the um, like in uh, Attack of the Clones, you see the, the uh, B1 production line. So it's kind of like, okay, yeah, I can see that. It just kind of reminds me of like, like Model T's, um, that you know, the first production line. Our assembly lines that the, 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 that Ford used, but like that, like a ship the size of the Malevolence, that would have to have a humongous 
that would just be like in like or like any of the ships. Like you'd have to have a humongous orbital space station that just builds ships. You see it a little bit in like Star Trek. Um, this that like kind of like these dry docks, and I, they they talk about like shipyards and like books stuff, but I don't remember actually seeing them in actual canon, like in the movies or the in the movies or or like any of the TV shows. Like there's a shipyard in um, one of the video games that you attack. Uh, do you know what? I, I know. I, I want to support this little drunken rant you're on. Um, do you know what the Kardashev scale is? You're a sci-fi guy. Maybe maybe you've heard of this. It sounds familiar. So Kardashev was a physicist, and he basically had this. He was like a Soviet astrophysicist. Um, and he had this scale that he came up with, and he's he's basically he basically said like like there are three types of civilizations. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. A type one civilization can harness the power from a planet. A type two civilization can harness the planet or the power from a solar system, and a type three civilization can harness the power from a galaxy. Um, and he estimated what the wattage output of these things were, and and of course they're just numbers so large you can't comprehend and and so people talk about the kardashev scale for our society it's like how close are we and we're like a point four or something like a point four or five we're or harvesting less than half of the available energy from our planet the rest of it is just wasted if you think about that from like like a star trek or a star wars point of view they're in between two and three for sure, mm-hmm. right? You see, you see structures like on the Mandalorian, the Ring City from, um, from season three, or or sorry, from Book of Boba Fett, whatever that. Yeah, or like um, Cor- like Coruscant. Coruscant. Yeah, Coruscant. It's just it's a perfect example. Like, like imagine New York City encompassed the entire planet, and then there's layers. Are, yeah, these are structures that would be built by a, a, a greater than Type One society. Right. These these are things that are that are capturing a ton of energy from a solar system. So I really think Star Wars is like their society is in between two and three. They haven't harnessed the entire power of their galaxy, but they have harnessed the power of several stars. And I think this is something that we just can't comprehend. And if we if we use Kardashev as as like a estimation, they are. Um, 10 to the 20th times more advanced than us as far as energy utilization and resource utilization. I like the fact that I know people shit on Catalyst as being slow and boring, and but I love James Luceno's writing and how methodical it is um, and him going to resource depletion at, at a galactic scale actually gets me excited. It's like, like yeah, they're not a type 3 society. They're not Kardashev type three. They're someplace around two, like two and a half maybe, where they they sort of have control of the galaxy, but not really. Um, it's just really fascinating to me, and I just love the idea of where that limitation is. And and yeah, they they can achieve wonderful things, and maybe there's there's a huge piece of 
um, willing suspension of disbelief there that they can build these ships and have this technology and do it in secret. But the galaxy is a huge place and they're a type two, type three society. Um, and so, yeah, they have resources that we can't fathom. Yeah. I mean, they've, um, they, they've hinted at in various books and like, even like last Jedi with like the automock, like where Rose, uh, Tico comes from how they, the first order just came in and just, just ravaged their planet for resources. Right. In, um, in bloodlines, the, um, Ransom Casterfo talked about like how, like the planet that he came from, how like the, they just, like, they just stripped it dry. Like he, he saw Darth Vader kill his father because they weren't meeting quotas. Or that's was it a Yasoka novel where they were forced to plant the food to feed the stormtroopers, and it and it drained the land of all of the yes. nutrients? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they had like some like some like consultant, some imperial consultant come in and just be like, yeah, just make it the most efficient as possible, like, but fuck the results. And um, that was that was also the plot on Lothal too, right? Where mm-hmm. they're they're basically stripping Lothal of all of its resources. Yeah, so we we see this. In multiple multiple streams, that there's environmental consequences for um, these war efforts. Yeah, I think it's pretty consistent, actually. Yeah, you never see. Well, except for like the only time that I can remember seeing this kind of like the the after is when um, is in the uh, Star Wars comic, and this is I don't know if this really counts as like where they go to Scarif. No, not Scarif. I'm sorry. They go to Jeddah. And, right, and Jeddah is like if you um, if you're a Star Trek fan and you see um, uh, Kronos after the like the the moon, um, I think I think it's a moon that hits the uh, impacts the planet, and it's just like a it's it's broken. No, no, Kronos Kronos is their Chernobyl event, right? So it's like a energy producing moon that they have a industrial accident on, and it. Well, that's Raxus. Damn it, I don't know what I'm talking about. Skip me. Yeah. But anyways, like, they don't show it in Rogue One, but in the comics, it's cracked. Like, like just just using the one reactor pretty much cracked the planet in half. It's it's literally a half. It's literally like a crescent moon now. Like um, Concord Dawn or whatever. Yeah. The, the Mandalorian, the whatever that's called. It's like a it's like a debris field with half a planet left. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know that's the sort of thing that I, I would actually be interested in seeing that. Just seeing like, what does a planet like that look like? I mean, there's just like nothing left. It's just um, but the the stuff that they couldn't uh, make use of. It's just, it's just kind of still like drifting in orbit, but it's it's been it's been used up. Talking like Starkiller Base is Ilum. Right. I was just thinking of uh, the Hera novel. New Dawn? Scully. New Dawn with Skelly. Skelly or whatever. And that that was where, they, where um, Vidian was going to blow up the moon to harvest to harvest the, the crystals in, in orbit. Right? Because he thought mm-hmm. that was faster. Um, yeah. So yeah, there's this is a reoccurring theme. So I think it's it's a good thing to point out, but I th- I think they they are addressing it in the canon material pretty pretty thoroughly. Mm-hmm. 
Do you have any notes or comments about the production or anything? Uh, no, no, I don't. I don't have anything else for today. We're going to stay with this arc for a couple more weeks, and so um, we'll be able to talk about um, malevolence, and I want to talk more about Grievous and Dooku's dynamics um, in the next episode. Um, do you want to go into the ranking? Okay. All right, so now's the time where we rank an episode. We rank episodes based on Star Wars characters, so a really great episode would be a Luke, Leia, Vader, Han, any like major original trilogy character. Uh, a bad episode would be an inconsequential or just absolutely horrible character. I'm thinking of the Rodian from episode one. I don't know its name, but... It was played by Warwick Davis. I think it was supposed to be Baby Greedo. <laughs> it was him, Anakin, Kitster. So, Matt, what do you what do you rank this episode? Uh, it's tough. I really like this episode a lot, and I think I think it's hard to not just say it's Plo Koon. Um, it is. I I really like Plo Koon. And when I was reading about Plo Koon today, I, I, I just kept getting more and more excited about sort of what the promise of the prequels were back when we were like in high school and college. It's like, it's like, oh, we're going to get, we're going to get a lot more Star Wars and it's going to get weird, right? We're going to have all sorts of cool aliens and Plo Koon was like right out in front and we're, we're getting to see him and he really is like this Gandalf the White strong, quiet, calm, consistent leader. And I, I just love it. And so I think I'm just going to stick with Plo Koon for this one. And I'll, I'll get more creative next time. But uh, Plo Koon for me, I, I love this episode. It's essential Star Wars to me. Okay. I think I'm going to go with uh, uh, Wolf Yerlaren, just mainly because it's very feels very military, like kind of like submarine kind of. Um, submarine movie kind of uh, feel. It was where they're just like, they just kind of like they're like hiding in their ships or in the in the escape pod. And I like I like his I like the, his character because it's he's been he's like one of the many Republic officers who were then brought in as uh, Imperials who like we're introduced to them as Imperials, um, but we meet them earlier when they're just Republic officers and he's one of the better ones. He's not like Tarkin. Tarkin seems to always be an asshole. He just seems like some, Yularen just seems like somebody who does his job, but I love Yularen. He is, I think he's wonderful in this series. And I think his, his behavior in the Thrawn books, um, really cements him as a, as a great character in my mind. Right. For, for canon Star Wars, I do want to I do want to throw in one last little piece of trivia about um, Plo Koon at the very end, if I can. Okay. Um, so Plo Koon dies. Spoiler alert um, for a movie that came out 20 years ago. He dies in Order 66. He's shot by clone troopers. He's actually shot down in a in his Jedi starfighter. Um, but there were multiple versions of that um, shot. One where he ejects, but still dies one where he ejects and survives and one where he dies in the cockpit and the one that where he dies in the cockpit is one that they kept in the movie but um 
Wolf, Wolf's men, the 104th Battalion, had nothing to do with his death. Um, and so when we see Wolf later in Rebels, um, Wolf probably didn't kill a Jedi in Order 66. Um, Plo Koon was killed by the 442nd Siege Battalion um, in Order 66, which was a completely different unit. Mm. Um, and he died on Cato Nemoidia. Uh, so I just wanted to throw that out there, that that we will, we're we going to continue on with Clone Wars and then get to Rebels, and Wolf is in Rebels. Yeah. And there's some stuff about, about what happened in Order 66 um, in Rebels, and it appears that Wolf was not involved in order 66 yeah well it's also should point out that like the the big reveal for season two of the mandalorian they shot a scene with plo Koon. you know that yeah so i left that off the trivia um it was on the list but um i left it off when we we're talking about it but you're right like plo Koon, plo Koon was the the head fake for the season two finale of mandalorian where luke shows up um, they shot a version where it was Plo Koon that showed up. Fucking amazing. Yeah. The fact that they were able to keep that under wraps must have been like, we will we will sue we will find you and we will sue you to where your great great grandchildren who might live on the moon will still owe us money. And they're like Yeah. <laughs> You will never work in this town again. Yeah. You will never work for anybody ever again. You will be Saul Goodman making Cinnabon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. No. Awesome. All right. Should we roll the die? Yeah. Let's do it. We let the fate decide. Huh? I just happen to have a chance to be here. Blue, it's the boy. Red. His mother. All right, so at the end of every episode of Clone Wars, we roll a 20-sided die, a d20, from a Dungeons & Dragons-style game. And if I roll a 1, the next episode we review is an episode from the 1985 series Ewoks from Nelvana. If I roll any other number, it's the next episode. Um, and I think the next episode is called... Just so we know. It's like, it it's like destroying the malevolence. Shadow of malevolence. All right. So I I film the roll and I put it on Twitter. So you ready? Sure. There's a 19. Oh, man. We're going to get there someday, but it hasn't yeah. happened yet. So since I didn't roll a one, we're going to review the next episode of Clone Wars in the in-universe canon order, which is called Shadow of Malevolence, the second episode in this arc that is season one, episode three. Um, that's it for me. So do you want to take us out? Thank you, everyone, for listening and downloading. Be sure to uh, tell a friend uh, about us. We don't uh, put any money into advertising or pretty much anything other than Matt buying the D20. So word of mouth is really how people find out about us. So you telling a friend or a family member who's really into Star Wars, that helps us out a lot. And if there's somebody you really can't stand in your office, tell him about this show. If you hated us because waste their time and it gives us a little help too. And maybe we can make the show better. And then you'll, you'll like us again. 
so we'll be back hopefully uh in a week with the next episode of the clone wars this is matt and jamie signing off thank you for downloading and listening to this episode we would also like to thank jordan white for the use of his cover of yub nub as our intro and outro music Please refer to the show notes for photos, clips, and links from this episode. Side effects from listening to Yubcast may include dizziness, dry mouth, a sense of confusion, and decreased sex drive. Serious side effects may include speaking in Ewa, speculating the origins of prequel characters, and wondering why two grown men discuss children's cartoons on the internet. For a complete list of side effects or to complain about the show, Please visit us on Twitter at Yubcast or drop us an email at noochbaderproductions at gmail.com. Thanks again. We'll see you again next week with a new episode. Yubcast is not affiliated with Lucasfilm or the Walt Disney Company. Star Wars, its characters, and creations are the property of Lucasfilm and its parent company, the Walt Disney Company. Yubcast is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Da 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 da